What's going on, everybody? This is SecDevOps.ai. Yes, sir. Welcome to <laughs> the show. Exactly. It's going to be a good one. Yes. I think my biggest problem is going to be not getting spun up because this is a topic such so near and dear to my heart. It's not really serious. Not getting spun up on what? Uh, just not getting too excited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, how do I hold in all this excitement yeah, before this podcast? Exactly. So I'm, I'm yes. going to try to stay smooth, cool, calm, and collected. There you go. <laughs> so what's the topic for today? The topic today <laughs> is threat intelligence. Don't get spun up. I'm trying not to. I'm trying to contain myself. Yes. Threat intel. A topic yep. that's near and dear to both of our hearts. Yep. And... Uh, it's growing every day. We're seeing new topics and interests, people, techniques, and threat intel. It's yep. very exciting right now. Super exciting. Yes. Yeah. I, I think one of my sort of like missions is to to spread what threat intelligence can actually do for organizations. Yes. I feel like there was a period of time when everybody was kind of jumping on the bandwagon and kind of watering things down a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I've had to do a lot of corrections like over the years, like people having misconceptions of what in threat intel does uh and basically going on like this education spree right yeah so let's jump into it that's a great place to start you know education spree yeah uh there's a lot of resources out there for threat intel mm -hmm. uh one of the best areas that i see to get started is really just getting your hands on to some data uh reaching out to the community to see what's going on yep and uh getting some training if you're lucky enough maybe you have some on the job training that you can that you can participate in yep yeah so i mean there's a few like i wouldn't even say a few there's a ton of different ways to get in threat intelligence i came the traditional intel route uh i've seen people come from help desk mm -hmm. uh you know uh, system administrator route and they've they've been able to become really good threat intel folks uh but i would say that and and people are going to try to like correct me or might have a completely difference of opinion but i think threat intelligence is one of the easiest things to get into mm. but it's also one of the hardest things to master i think um because i've taken people that they're straight from college who might not even necessarily have a background in cybersecurity, mm -hmm. but they have like good writing skills or they can really think, have really good critical thinking skills. And I've turned them into self-sustained junior Intel analysts. Excellent mentor. I so try. That's, <laughs> that's another education topic. Yep. And uh, we'll have some stuff in the show notes. We have uh, some topics we were discussing for the past few days, just in general. Um, you know, I think that, uh, when it comes to like the education and, you know, maybe maybe we don't need a vast amount of experience to be Intel analysts. I don't I don't believe that you need an abundance, um, right. you know, especially when we have uh, routes like the traditional Intel route. You were talking mm -hmm. about the traditional game of Intel that's yep. probably dealing with something military related. Yep. We have Absolutely. the military at our disposal to jump into the threat Intel type of capabilities and yep. learn about all aspects of intelligence yep yeah so that was like really close hold at one point in time like no one outside of dod or the government or military was doing intelligence like things you had right. things like business intelligence it was kind of blossoming in the in the 2000s but 
you didn't really get all of that tradecraft out into the world until threat intelligence became the hot button topic. And I'd say it became like really hot button probably starting around 2010, 2011 is when it started really spinning up. Mm -hmm. And I just so happened to be in the right place in the right time. I'm not going to, you know, lead everyone astray and think that, oh, yeah, I did all this because of the decisions I made. Uh, this is a lot to do with luck, uh, mm-hmm. but also a lot to do with preparation as well. Yes. Huge. So uh, getting the right access to education and maybe mm-hmm. some mentorship, maybe you're lucky enough to go to training. Yeah. You know, I think that one of the stressful parts about breaking into any uh, kind of fast facet of cyber is the employment. How do you get the first uh, foothold into the threat intelligence route? From what I've seen, um, a great avenue is just being connected yep. and knowing somebody, yep. right? True. And uh, maybe you have a friend that's doing threat intel or you met someone at a conference and that could serve as a, a great avenue to get started. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that one of the things I preach all the time on uh, my LinkedIn is find a project that kind of helps you build the skills that you want to use like in the workforce. Sometimes, especially like early on, you're not going to just immediately jump into a role where you can actually like be operational. Like you just don't have the experience. Mm-hmm. But if you manage to get an interview and you have at least can talk intelligently about threat intelligence, uh, what does it mean to do stakeholder analysis? What does it mean to be able to pivot amongst data sets? Uh, all of that stuff is super important. And if you have the experience, even though it's not necessarily you never got paid for it, it's still valuable. Because, I mean, if you look at the cyber gap that we're living in now and how it's going to continue it's to huge. grow, people are going to be able to get jobs way easier in cyber than a lot of other fields. Mm-hmm. Like, you just can't jump into being a lawyer. But we're hurting so bad for people that now is the time if you want to get a job that's going to take care of you take care of your family you can make it happen in your off time you can uh, drive truck during the day and then at night you know get on your grind work on your project and be able to actually get a job doing cyber stuff one of my close friends who i started learning cybersecurity with he used to be a truck driver and that's exactly what he oh, did. Wow. Yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, maybe we can get him on this uh, show sometimes. We can talk about yeah, that'd you be know, cool. the transition. But yeah, you can transition from literally anything. Yep. Uh, one of the, the things I do find that might be a bit difficult is, you know, when it comes to uh, other aspects of cyber, there's certifications. Yep. But there's not many geared solely towards threat intelligence that is correct there's one that i know of and it's really good but uh, it was made by a guy named rob lee mm-hmm. it's with sans uh, uh so it's the sans cti course i've never taken it i've heard good good things uh so that that is definitely an avenue mm-hmm. some people don't have the money to, right. to do those sans courses i mean it can be expensive uh, but I would say that that's a pretty good way to to sort of get like completely immersed. And it might not even be like a, a course that you would just want to take off the bat. Back in the day, at least when I looked at the course uh, materials, uh, there were quite a few prereqs that they recommended mm-hmm. doing with SANS before you jump into CTI. Right. Yeah. And, you know, after you 
if you have the resources to pay for the course, you also have to have the resources or the time, the opportunity to practice yep. afterwards. Otherwise, that all that information might be forgotten. Right. So that's a interesting one. Only only one that we know of. We're gonna do some research and yeah. maybe we can dig up some other ones that could be applicable. Maybe it's time for me to make my own. Maybe it's that time. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that I want to sort of explain to everybody that is really important when it comes to threat intelligence is the ability to communicate. And this could be verbal or written. Mm -hmm. From a writing standpoint, that is where I see the biggest gap between the, or the biggest delta between where people are and where they kind of should be. I take huge pride in, in my ability to write. I'm not saying I'm perfect. But I, I've put a lot of time and effort into honing my writing skills. One thing that I, I want to put out there, this is a secret. I should be charging you all for this. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> one thing that you can do is take a, a big story. Uh, this could be something huge like a Stuxnet story or Heartbleed or Drupalgeddon, Struts, NotPetya. All of those like really big, like hard hitting events that mm -hmm. everybody I think should know about at least to uh, at a, a at a really basic level, but take it something like that and then write five hundred word a five hundred word like prod or a little paper on on that topic, mm -hmm. then write it in two hundred and fifty words, and then write it in a hundred words. So if you can write something about Napetia in a hundred words. And have zero fat, like you're starting to cook with grease. Oh, that's a that's a really good piece of advice. Yeah, and I think that's something you know that anyone viewing in should really take the heart. Um, that's something that I think that we should both definitely take the heart to do yep. more often. Um, yeah, yeah, I I 100% agree. You know, uh, threat intel uh, half the job is writing the reports. Yep, if not the majority of the, the job. majority of it. Yeah, <laughs> because uh, what you find is and. Here's some misconceptions. I wouldn't even say they're misconceptions because sometimes they're true. Um, but what you find is you have a lot of intel analysts, people that swear up and down that they're intel analysts. They get these jobs, and then all they do is copy and paste straight from open source mm -hmm. or straight from their premium feeds that they're they're using. That's threat information. So when you go from information to intelligence, there is an analysis process that kind of happens in between. And that analysis process is providing the context to the people that have to make the decisions on that intelligence in order to uh, make their decision. Mm -hmm. So if you have a report that came out on open source, don't immediately just copy and paste and send it on. Because sometimes those reports are long and you're going to force the defender to read and do your job for you, like figure out what they need to get from that report, Yeah, that's not what you want to do. So what I do is I'll read something, and there will be portions that I copy and paste because there's no no reason to reinvent the wheel when there's something that's written that's really well done. But you need to add that assessment or those actions to what you recommend the defender do in order to, to close that gap and reduce risk. Absolutely. That's huge. Yep. And, uh, you know, from the kind of like uh, infrastructure architecture side, that's where I spend most of my time doing and applying intelligence. Mm -hmm. um, from that side, you know, you often find that there might be things missing from a report. 
Right. If you were the victim and maybe this report was generated by a researcher that wasn't actually part of, you know, cleaning up after the breach. Right. You might find other artifacts that weren't disclosed. So copying and pasting could burn you because now there's missed artifacts. You know, management is thinking that now we're patched, uh, not vulnerable anymore. Right. Or seemingly uh, understood the, the problem at hand. Yeah. Or even you can take the information that you've been given in a report and do your own pivoting. Like, yes. just go dig into those indicators, take a look at, at the TTPs that they list, and, and do your own searching. Maybe you can make a connection that those researchers haven't even thought of. Yes. And I think that kind of leads into a great point. And, you know, we after we get the education, get the employment, we start to practice. Yep. After you practice, you have to contribute this information back to somewhere. Otherwise, you're kind of fighting the same battle over and over again. Yep. So there's all these ISAC groups. We have meetups all over the place. Right. Um, I've been really enjoying the uh, shared community, like the ISAC groups and yep. whatnot, because they go beyond indicators. There's yep. now a, kind of a forum, a discussion board of like, what are what are you guys seeing? Slash, does anybody know about something around this subject that I might yep. be compromised uh in some type of way. Yep, especially because they're broken up into sectors. So you have your FSI sec for financial, yes. you have health, you have media and entertainment, you have all these different ISECs that are really focused in your your sector. Mm-hmm. And that's really important because it that that pivot is only a few clicks away from your organization. Like if someone's coming after Netflix in in particular, they could first go after another big studio or another tech company that's like Netflix Yes, and make that pivot to me. And then I have to sort of react and, and use that indication and warning to prepare our defenses. Exactly. Huge. And, uh, you know, some of these groups are closed. The best way to get access is by contributing back to the community. Absolutely. Especially if you don't work at a large organization. You know, that's the, yep. the best way. Yep. Even if you don't necessarily have the chops to to pre- present in a great intel, like, oh, finding these great nuggets, just being a part of the conversation is huge. Yeah. Just just being involved. Don't be a fly on the wall mm-hmm. collecting everyone else's intel and then calling it a day. You have to contribute. You have to go out and meet people because sometimes these closed forums, you have to get nominated and then you have yes. to get vouched by two different people in order to get be a part of it. And no one's going to vouch for you if, if they don't know you. Fly on the wall. Yeah, maybe yeah. it could be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, one of the things that I've been seeing also is uh, how do you retain these connections and uh, you know, threat intel is all about the quality of data. Yep. If you if you're not getting good quality of data, mm-hmm. then you know the protection that you can provide is now a, a bit suppressed. Yep. Uh, what are some things that you do to stay relevant in you know the threat intel community? So there, there's two things that you do uh, in order to stay relevant and also get good data. In order to stay relevant, you got to keep your your network alive. Like I said in a past show, half the tippers I get are from my network. And so mm-hmm. I do the same thing. When I find stuff that I think is relevant to somebody, even across the world even, I, I give them a tipper. I say, hey, you might want to check this out. This may or may not affect you, but at least I'm, I'm sharing something with you. So right. you keep those those relationships alive. As far as uh, making sure your your data is is what it needs to be, you need to find ways to sort of measure and keep track 
even metrics of what actions you've taken from various threat feeds or subscriptions that, that you subscribe to. Because a lot of these things cost a lot of money. Yes. And a lot of the times you have people that spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on those feeds and either they're just getting information that isn't relevant, which you then need to sort of like redo your collection plan, mm -hmm. or you just don't have the training or the effort put into operationalizing that feed. So that's one thing that I, I find to be important is if I go into an organization and they already have a third feed, how is that third feed being used? Who's in that thread feed every day? And like, what is the process behind uh, operationalizing that intel? Right. Yeah. And sometimes you find these feeds, uh, they might be, they might, there might be great data in there, but yep. no one's using it. It's right. just uh, a product that's been purchased and sitting there. Yeah. So there was a, a stat, uh, and this was years ago. This is probably. 2015 or so uh, i think it was in one of the verizon reports that they did a comparison of like seven different threat feeds mm -hmm. and they wanted to see what the overlap was because you hope that if everybody's collecting the same stuff like then you you you're not really missing much by not having like all of the threat feeds right but these are like seven like premium threat feeds at the time and they found that there was only like a three percent overlap between the indicators yeah and this is in 2015 like, think about how how much wider that aperture is now in 2019. Now I, there's more types of indicators. There's so much more. So we, I I would yeah. I would I would guess like I, I have I don't know if they've redone it since then, but I would guess that it's like closer to one percent overlap. Yeah, it's got to be something ridiculous. Yeah, but then again, you know, some of these uh, Intel providers they're more geared towards you know a certain vertical. Yep. So the, the data I wouldn't imagine to be too similar, especially because the contributors are probably a part of different industries also. Yep. Yep. Oh, and I also want to make sure I mentioned that I'm not downing threat intel feeds whatsoever because they are doing a service that no one person can do. They're right. they're pulling from all sorts of different D different sources, different closed sources. They're pulling from their own infrastructure that they've spent years building. Mm -hmm. All these like honey nets that are they're collecting, you know, passive DNS stuff that you know you would have to spend years if you were going to do it on your own, like trying to build your own infrastructure. It just doesn't make sense. Not at all. And also, if you have uh, a, a newly sort of like furnished threat intel program where you might have one or two people that are kind of focused on it, having a vendor that you can reach back to to do like some of the RFIs, some of the bigger projects that you want to get yes. done, but you're still in build mode. You're still trying to build your processes. You're tr still trying to integrate threat intelligence into your vulnerability management, your threat hunt program, red team, your enterprise risk management. Uh, you're, you're just trying to integrate it in all these different things. And while you can have a vendor that's collecting information for you. Yep. Yeah, they're definitely, if you pay them, they're there to, you know, help you out. Yep. Coming from a guy that, you know, works at a product company, right. uh, I definitely, my passion is cybersecurity. And uh, it's really to apply my uh, hard lessons that I've learned over time to organizations for better protection. Uh, and it makes me feel good. Hopefully, you know, everyone is winning. I think that uh, it's unfortunate when we do hear things like, oh, I'm, I'm going to give up on indicators or I'm going to go all in on indicators. There's always a, a balance that you need to find when setting up a, 
a truly incredible architecture. Yep, yep. Setting up architecture. And then the most important thing, I have to stomp this just about in every article I write uh, and every show that I do about uh, threat intelligence is our our craft is based on the stakeholder. Like, if you go into an organization and you said, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to track these APTs. We're going to look at these threat feeds, and we're going to join this ISAC, and that's going to be our threat intelligence program. You're doing it backwards. Uh, you need to go into an organization. First, you need to figure out what those crown jewels are, mm-hmm. what is necessary uh, to protect in your organization. Then, uh, and, and you could even find out what those crown jewels are from your stakeholder analysis. So actually sitting down with each individual stakeholder and saying, what are your intelligence requirements? And we're in, still in a stage right now where people don't even necessarily know what to get from threat intelligence. So you have to kind of like offer up ideas of like, this is what I can do to make your job easier. Yeah. And uh, you can't provide intelligence without collecting the intelligence you have to know yep. you know about the target yeah about who's the target uh who are they being targeted by yeah so yeah just uh asking the right questions to mm. the organization is huge and if that's not happening then that would be a little unfortunate for sure yeah do we have to say uh my views don't necessarily reflect that of my employer because <laughs> like, i I, this is a, a, a sort of a opinionated show, and I, I don't want to piss anybody off yeah. too bad. But uh, definitely not. Uh, this is all me. Uh, but I, I do think there are good things that we're saying. Um, one thing that I wanted to, to mention is the sort of like there's two paths, I think, uh, in threat intelligence. There used to be three. It used to be strategic, operational, and tactical. And now I kind of bend them into uh, – strategic intelligence and technical intelligence and you can have somebody that does both you can have mm-hmm. people that are, dive really deep into the technical so they're really good at doing the pivoting they're really good at building out uh, infrastructure based on stuff that they're getting from their indicators uh, you know building huge network maps and really diving deep into the ttps and behaviors of different uh, attack groups and and malware and then you can have this strategic people that are more focused on risk they're more focused uh they kind of bleed into like maintaining like threat cards like what are certain apts doing what they're you know usually after and and all that stuff but i think there there are two main ones and and i think you've more been more in the technical realm right yeah for sure and uh heavy into uh kind of new newer technologies like yeah. devops cloud security yep uh, pivoting into more of automation and providing uh, more of a threat until service mm-hmm. as a microservice rather than uh, a full suite of consultation offerings. Yep. No, that's huge. Especially when you have this one person doing it. You yeah. need to automate that stuff. <laughs> exactly. If you have one person doing threat intel, you need to automate your job as much as possible or even have like some sort of like self-serve service that the other defenders can use so you're not tied up playing whack-a-mole you know going after each and every indicator trying to drill down as much as you can uh if you can do some type of indicator enrichment that's automated then it's money in the bank yeah and i think it's a truly incredible time because we're getting closer the automation engineers today are setting up the infrastructure for tomorrow you know we're getting to the point where we're automating a lot of these mundane tasks 
So I think in the next, you know, few months to few years, we'll see a new wave. Maybe the third tier kind of reintroduce itself or a, a new wave of a different type of analyst come out yeah. uh, based off of threat intel. Yeah. And what do you think that that would look like if you had to take a guess? So what what I think that looks like is um, an analyst that is more strategic, mm -hmm. uh, more focused on that aspect, not worried about connecting up to data sources, not worried about uh, trying to onboard and offboard uh, products and services, uh, getting more help when it comes to that area or having more of a pipeline to onboard or offload products and services. Yep. Um, but I think that, yeah, we'll see more strategy focus. We'll, yep. we'll have the opportunity to focus on not only what assets in the uh, enterprise organization are crown jewels, but mm -hmm. which people. Yep. How did the analysts get more time to focus on, all right, I need to understand where are the uh, open gaps mm -hmm. in in the public web, dark web on my crown jewel people right. rather than just systems. Yep. No, absolutely. So there's sort of like this idea, and I, I run into it in so many different areas, uh, but there's sort of the science of threat and tell, and then there's the art of yes. threat and tell. Yes, You can automate science. It's really hard to automate art. It's yes. really hard. And mm -hmm. there have been times where we've set like different thresholds for reporting, and there I saw something that didn't meet that threshold, but I said, this is important, and we need to report on that. And somebody was like, well, how did you know? I mean, I literally could not articulate. Like, I don't know. I just I just felt it. felt it in my bones. It would be like asking a detective. Yeah. What made you think that this guy, you know, <laughs> it's, it's just a combination of experience and history mm -hmm. all in one. Right. Yes. Cool. This was uh, an awesome show that we had here. Yeah. Uh, we I have a, a lot more to cover on Threat Intel. And many other topics. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> did I get spun up? I don't think I got spun up. I, I think I, I played pretty cool. What do you guys think? I think I did. I think I, I, think I did. We'll, right. we'll let them decide. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, leave a comment. Like, Chris, you got spun up. <laughs> yes. Leave a comment if you think Chris got spun up. And if you think he didn't get spun up enough, leave a comment on that, too. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and then we can have, like, a rant day. Like, yes. just a day where we just let loose. And we'll start off with that caveat. Yes. My views do not represent <laughs> that of my employer. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let us know uh, what you guys found helpful from this. Uh, if you have questions about threat intelligence, don't be shy. Just reach out and, and let us know if there's other topics you guys want us to cover on threat intelligence, on threat hunting, on red teaming, on development, on DevOps. Yes. Sec DevOps, everything. Let us know. Boom. And uh, all links below and join our Slack community. And we will see you guys in the next one. See you later.